Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right, beautiful people. I want to thank you for joining me here this morning on Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown, here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. You may be listening on the web at kpoo.com slash listen. Um, We are going to have an interesting show this morning because uh, there are just too many... uh, Social, uh, socio-political, emotional thoughts running through my brain this morning, and and my heart. Uh, but we are going to be touching upon quite a few things. Uh, most notably, we are going to be talking about uh, solitary confinement, um, the Mandela Act that was uh, vetoed by the governor. Uh, just really making in, and this happened back in September of last year. But the ramifications of it are just um, <clears throat> um, un- untold uh, about what that means and how the continuing to uh, just uphold the the viciousness of of white false supremacy and the implications on the impact the, the the vicious impact on our communities on so many levels. That's just one of them around um, solitary confinement, but I'm bringing it up because uh, we are still feeling the effects of what solitary confinement does to not only our youth, but um, our revolutionary minds inside who have been in since, um, you know, from basically cradle to, I know this system hopes until their grave, but at least now they, until they are elders, simply because of um, their political views and actions as well um, in resistance to uh, colonialization, militarism, capitalism, and again, white false supremacy. So um, we are just going to go ahead and get started. You'll, um, I'll be doing a lot of reading and um, peppered in with some uh, yes, yeah, spice it up with some some good music in between. So stay with me, and uh, here we go with uh, you know, this is the first show of February, uh, Black History Month, which we know lasts all year long. All right. So before we get started, I want to recognize an Instagram post from George Jackson University that was founded by uh, Abdul Olubala Shakur. Uh, This is from January 30th, the day that I am pre-recording this show. Nehanda Abiodun is a new African revolutionary nationalist, acupuncturist, political exilee, godmother of Cuban hip-hop. And uh, she was born June 29th, 1950, and passed on to the ancestors on January 30th, 2019. So that transition to the ancestors on this day four years ago. She was a founding member of the New African People's Organization, NAPO, and organizer for the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. Rest in power, Nahanda Abiyadun. All right. uh, So last year, uh, Governor Newsom in September of 2022 vetoed the Assembly Bill 2632, which was the original California Mandela Act on solitary confinement. Obvious reasons um, that the oppressor state would do such a thing, uh, and that is because prison slavery 
makes a lot of money. And holding people in solitary confinement makes a lot of money. It is also a way to control a population, namely new Africans who resisted their enslavement and challenged their captors. These security housing units were meant to break them as they endured decades of the torture of solitary confinement. Between the victory of the Ashker v. Brown class action lawsuit against CDCR and the incredible documentation that these brothers have created throughout their decades of, of torture um, knows, means that this governor knows exactly what he is doing when he is vetoing uh, the, the first Mandela Act and now uh, being presented with this new one with some of the teeth taken out of it. Oh, and of course, it's not just the governor. To be clear, this is also the state of this oppressive system. This is CDC small r. Uh, this is the uh, CCPOA, um, the, the biggest guard union in the country. Good morning. Today we are gathering for the reintroduction of the Mandela Act, Assembly Bill 280. The Mandela Act will ensure that people are not held in solitary confinement for longer than 15 consecutive days and that people who are especially vulnerable to its effects are never placed in isolation. This would include people who are pregnant, seriously disabled, and over 60 years of age. Solitary confinement truly is torture. The evidence shows and the international consensus is that solitary confinement does irreversible physical, mental, and emotional damage to people. California cannot reverse the damage already done by solitary confinement, but our state can prevent future harm. There are no studies that I'm aware of indicating that solitary confinement is a safe or that it makes a correctional environment safer. In fact, many people enter solitary confinement seemingly healthy, but leave broken by the extreme isolation and loneliness. Instead of counterproductive policies like solitary confinement, California should emphasize more educational, career training, and, pro and pro-social programming opportunities. Although Governor Newsom vetoed this bill last year, he also recognizes the deep need for reform. I'm encouraged that the governor has directed the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to develop regulations that will substantially restrict the use of solitary co confinement in California. It is my hope that the legislature and governor can come together in an agreement on a policy that will treat all people in this state with the respect and dignity they deserve. Here with me today is Jack Morris and Kevin McCarthy, both solitary survivors who will speak about their personal experience and the hardship they have endured in solitary confinement. Afterwards, Lisa Knox, the legal director of California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice, will speak, and I have several of my colleagues who will join as well. Jack and... Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you to Assemblymember Holden for being courageous enough to uh, speak up for those that are in a position that uh, even when they yell out are not heard. 
uh, and to all the people that are representing this bill and backing this bill and putting work in to try to change a system that is uh, inevitably uh, and irreparably harming those that are incarcerated in solitary confinement. My name is Jack Morris. I spent more than 30 years in solitary confinement, more than 40 years, approximately 40 years in prison. I was released uh, five and a half years ago, and since then I have been working as a, a provider for reentry to the community. I have elevated uh, in position, contributing to uh, those that are formerly incarcerated when they reenter into the community by providing services uh, in order to uh, help individuals reintegrate into a community that uh, they should uh, recognize is part of their community. Uh, I have been, uh, I initially I started as a community health worker and I've recently been promoted to the program manager at St. John's Community Health in Los Angeles in South Central. Uh, my job is simple to explain. Uh, those entering into the community, I provide anything and everything they need in order to uh, establish themselves uh, for a positive trajectory in their lives and, and assist them uh, overcoming the 40,000 different barriers that have been identified to re-entering into the community after incarceration. Uh, in my position and in the capacity in which I work, uh, my job has been both uh, fulfilling and therapeutic. After spending decades in solitary confinement in a windowless concrete cell, uh, talking only to my shadow and fighting insanity, uh, I have been able now to contribute, pay taxes, to vote, and become part of a system that needs to address elements in that system in order to make our community as a whole a better a place for everyone to live. Not only those that have not been impacted by the justice system, but those that are exiting the justice system and having to re-enter into the community and become recognized as members uh, of California. Uh, I want to thank the, the courage of those uh, representatives that uh, we have elected uh, to stand up for the people that uh, seldom have a voice uh, in order to protect them uh, when everybody else has neglected or disregarded their existence. Uh, thank you for having us here today. The Mandela bill is a bill that needs to be addressed and voted in, uh, if not, if only to serve those that cannot uh, speak up uh, as a result of concrete walls and steel bars being erected in front of them. Let's, let's remove uh, the, the veil of secrecy uh, so that the community can know that the humanity of California is best viewed as a result of looking inside the prisons and how we treat those incarcerated. And thank you. Uh, thank you all for coming today. Uh, thank you. Assemblymember Holden, Assemblymember Bryan, uh, we appreciate the support. The California Department of Corrections would like the public to believe that solitary confinement is a safety need. But the fact of the matter is, um, solitary confinement 
brings the California Depart Department of Corrections and, and prison guards uh, over $20,000 more per year per inmate housed in solitary confinement than in the general population. Guards have admitted to me that, that they know solitary confinement is wrong, that they have uh, um, problems and, and issues coming to work each day, uh, seeing people warehoused in these concrete cages, but it all comes down to money. The state of California should not treat human beings as if they were marketable uh, commodities. You know, we like to think of California as this, you know, progressive uh, state that sets the tone for the rest of the country. Um, but, but we're failing in terms of solitary confinement. This issue should have been rectified years ago. Um, I'm one of the people who Assemblymember Holden uh, pointed out as, as being being broken. Uh, I spent two years in solitary confinement as a juvenile. Uh, I was given one book to read per week, five pieces of paper, and a pencil. I, I'd often finish that book within a couple days. Um, I was unable to speak to my neighbors if I were caught if I was caught speaking to one of my neighbors. My one hour out per day was taken away from me. Um, the guards in solitary confinement, they didn't like to work. They didn't like to escort the kids to, to the cages for their one hour out a day or to the showers. So they would get extra food and they would auction it off. They would ask us, hey, are you willing to refuse your shower, refuse your one hour out for an extra tray or would you give two days would you give three days and they would they would auction food off so they didn't have to work and and this is this is at a time when when these kids should be receiving treatment when they should be receiving healing but yet they're forced to uh to give up their one hour out a day their basic hygiene you know in the form of a shower just to have enough food what is that how's that being how's that allowed to occur it's it's awful um you know i recall you know leaving uh, in, uh out of youth prison out of the california youth authority and i just had so much resentment towards towards the law towards authority figures um, it was it was so difficult for me to um, to live a normal life. I didn't know it at that time, but that had caused me PTSD. And the parole department didn't didn't screen for it. They didn't offer any type of treatment for what I had been through. They just left me broken. I would go on to spend ten years in solitary confinement at the Pelican Bay Shoe. During that time, I forgot what human touch felt like. Um, my relationships with my loved ones were, were severed. The only time we were able to use the phone was when a loved one died. And if a loved one died, the gang investigators would wait for us and ask us if we wanted to debrief to go into to protective custody. Um, they'd prey upon uh, our, our vulnerable condition um it was awful it it was
it was a nightmare. Um, but what I don't get is the Eighth Amendment prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, a prison guard isn't allowed to go into somebody's cell and, and beat that person. But how are we allowing the California Department of Corrections to physically beat and torture, uh, or excuse me, emotionally beat and, uh, and psychologically torture uh, human beings through, through solitary confinement? I mean, I would much rather receive a physical beating than be held in solitary confinement. Uh, bruises heal, um, wounds heal, but the wounds uh, in, in my psyche and my soul, those, those haven't healed. Uh, I have these reoccurring nightmares uh, where I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck or I'm drowning or I'm, I'm paralyzed, and I know all that is is because of of those feelings of feeling stuck in solitary confinement and i i i, I wake up screaming um and then i'm afraid to go back to sleep because i i worry that i'm going to return to that same spot um and i'm tired of feeling stuck and there's nothing that a, the department of corrections can do to heal me um but, but we have people who are still in there. We have future generations of, uh, of children um, who we can either let go into solitary confinement and have them experience those feelings of, of being stuck. You know, we can torture them or we can do the right thing, the thing that we should have done years ago and in solitary confinement. I heard this legislature to pass this bill and I urge Governor Gavin Newsom to do the right thing and sign this bill into law. Thank you. Hi. Let me move this. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Lisa Knox. I'm the legal director for the California Collaborative for Immigrant Justice. Um, and I'm honored to be here with you today. And, and thanks to um, Jack and Kevin for not just sharing their stories, but being part of this fight um, to end the, the torture that is prolonged solitary confinement. So I'm going to talk a little bit about solitary confinement and how it's used in immigration detention. My organization supports people in immigration detention who are fighting to expose unsafe and during COVID often deadly living conditions, who are fighting against their exploitation as workers who are paid $1 a day to perform essential labor in the detention facilities. And so what we've seen is when these individuals speak out, when they file complaints uh, with the federal government, when they file lawsuits, or simply when they tell an official that, um, that they feel unsafe in a dormitory, they're often retaliated against with solitary confinement. And I'd like to give one example. Um, in a detention center in the Central Valley, there are individuals who are on a labor strike. They've been on a strike for six months. They're refusing to work for a dollar a day in facilities where they feel their working conditions are unsafe um, and they're being exploited by being paid a dollar a day, which is far, far under the state's minimum wage. And so one individual who wasn't even participating in the strike but merely signed a letter in support of the strikers' demands was put into solitary confinement for weeks. 
And we know that prolonged solitary confinement like this is torture. So this individual was faced with torture just for exercising his First Amendment rights. Um, and sadly, I could, I could tell you lots of stories like this one. Um, and it's not just people who speak out, also individuals who request protection, people with um, LGBTQ people, people with mental health challenges who request protection in immigration detention are often put into solitary confinement. Um, and sadly, um, an individual that I represented and, and knew well, Mr. Chung Munan, who was a Korean elder um, in a detention center in the Central Valley, lost his life in solitary confinement in just such a situation in 2020. Um, and again, he is not the only one, right? We talk about solitary survivors, but a lot of people don't, don't make it out. So I'm here today um, to let you know that we need the community to support these folks inside immigration detention to let them know that we're not alone. So I thank all of you for being here today. But we also need the state to take action, right? We need the state to pass the Mandela Act so that these individuals in immigration detention won't be subject to these abuses and this torture that is prolonged solitary confinement. Um, and I'll end today with a statement from um, Sal Prasad, who is a formerly detained organizer who won his freedom um, just a few weeks ago, but unfortunately is still under some forms of electronic incarceration and so is unable to join us today. Um, but Sal wanted me to share with you that solitary confinement does not keep anyone safe. He says, I know from personal experience that solitary confinement just compounds our trauma. It doesn't help anyone heal. It doesn't help anyone reintegrate into the community. So if California really wants to keep us all safe, if California really cares about public safety, it will pass the Mandela Act and make sure that no one else is subjected to the torture that I and others have experienced in immigration detention. Thank you to Assemblymember Holden for sponsoring this bill, and thank you to the other Assembly members who are here today supporting it. Good afternoon. I'm Assemblymember Isaac Bryan from Los Angeles, and first and foremost, I want to thank my colleague, Assemblymember Chris Holden, not just for introducing this bill and for fighting for it, but refusing to let it die. Uh, and even deeper than that, I'd like to thank everybody who spent time in solitary confinement, who has come home and shown the courage of telling their story and their experience because change happens when the people who are most impacted are sitting at that table. Uh, I went to Folsom this last year with a number of my colleagues here, and we toured, if you can call it a tour, the solitary confinement housing. And it's beyond heartbreaking. A lot of times we talk about the abuse of solitary confinement. I want to be very clear. The use of solitary confinement is an abuse, right? It is torture. You cannot have accountability and torture intermixed in that way. We're at a point in time where we're building out systems of care and opportunity and development and healing while at the same time promoting one of the most harmful practices known to humankind. When I think about solitary confinement, I think about Stories like Khalif Browder in New York. I think about Alfred Woodfox, 40 years in Angola, just passed away, but had time to write his story down and share his testimony with the world from his experience. This is a national problem. But one of the solutions, the beginning of the solution, can start right here in California. We took this bill to the governor's desk last year, and that was important. This year, we've got to get it signed and turn it into law. Thank you all for being here.
Good morning, everyone. My name is Dr. Akila Weber. I'm the assembly member for the 79th Assembly District in San Diego, California. I want to thank by uh, I want to begin by thanking Assemblymember Holden for bringing attention to this very important issue that we're facing. And I also want to thank those who spoke today to tell us their stories. It's not easy what they lived, and it's not easy telling people because it's once again a reminder, recounting the horrific ordeals that they have been through. Last April, when I joined Assemblymember Holden on a tour of new Folsom Prison solitary confinement, I was shocked and extremely disappointed to see how we treat our fellow human beings. I remember asking one of the guards what was the minimum time that someone be, would be put in solitary confinement. And I thought he would say a day, two days. And he said, I'm not really sure, probably around four months. Imagine being locked in a room the size of a king bed for 23 hours a day for a minimum of four months. Neurologists have discovered that social isolation and sensory deprivation those that are exposed to that when solitary confinement can cause significant brain damage that is long lasting. Studies have also linked solitary confinement to increased risk of heart attacks, strokes, and death. And I wanna remind everyone that the purpose of jail is to remove individuals from our society that have made mistakes and to rehabilitate them so that they may return to society as productive members. The purpose of jail is to not dehumanize them to the point that they cannot and will not live outside the confinements of a cage. But unfortunately, this is exactly what solitary confinement does. The United Nations has recommended banning solitary confinement for longer than 15 days and I applaud Assemblymember Holden for reintroducing this very important bill, which will the end of use of solitary confinement, especially for uh, specific populations, including those with disabilities, pregnant people, and others, as well as setting limits on how it can be used. I'm proud to have co-authored last year's bill, AB 2632, and will proudly be a co-author of this bill as well. And we will continue to fight until it has passed both houses and the governor has finally signed this into law. Thank you. Good morning, I'm Assembly Member Ash Cholera from San Jose. Uh, and it's an honor to be here with Assembly Member Weber and Assembly Member Bryan and a special thank you to Assembly Member Chris Holden for once again championing the right, this righteous issue for having me here today as a proud co-author of the Mandela Act. For years now, the international community and advocates have recognized that solitary confinement is one of the most severe and harmful practices in detention facilities today, going as far as labeling it inhumane and torture, which it is. In 2015, uh, as mentioned by Dr. Weber, the United Nations ratified the Nelson Mandela rules, which prohibited any period of segregation segregation beyond 15 days. And here we are eight years later, still calling for much needed reform in progressive California. As a state, we have fought for more investments and opportunities for rehabilitation, as well as made great strides in criminal justice reform. However, 
all of that work is jeopardized if we are unable to address the inhumane treatment of people detained in jails, prisons, and private detention facilities. Numerous studies have shown that the, the, uh, shown the ill impact solitary confinement can have on a person's rehabilitation, as well as their physical and mental health. As we once again debate reasonable policy already adopted by the international community, we must recognize that ultimately, this is a fight for human rights. I worked as a public defender for 11 years. And during my time there, I would see how solitary confinement would be used, oftentimes under the guise of protecting individuals. I had members of the LGBTQ community that were put into solitary confinement for their protection, and it prevented them from doing any rehabilitation programs. So the idea behind making sure that people are safe cannot get in the way of the humanity of realizing we have the opportunity to uplift individuals. I had clients that would come back from prison that couldn't make it on the outside. Their trauma was too deep. And they ended their own lives because they could not get past the trauma that they had suffered from solitary confinement in the years that they spent in prison. When I had the chance, I know others had the opportunity to visit Norway and Finland. And you see the prisons there. They deprive those that commit crimes and are convicted. They deprive them of their liberty. They don't deprive them of their dignity or their humanity. They don't strip that away from them. And yet here in California and throughout this nation, that's what we do. We don't only say we're going to remove you from your family, from your community. On top of that, there's the... The, the additional torture of being in prison itself. And then on top of that, we add solitary confinement to the mix. In California, our policies should be driven by our values, equality, compassion, and common humanity. And it is far past time we call out solitary confinement for what it is. It is torture. And we must put an end to this cruel practice. Thank you. I want to thank my, my colleagues for being here today and being so clear and sober and passionate about this cause and making sure that in California that we are going to do everything we can, and especially through this bill, to end solitary confinement as it is being used today. How can California, being the progressive state that we claim to be, fall behind Colorado, New York, New Jersey, and other states who have already moved down the road and recognizing this practice as torture. I want to thank those who are here as our sponsors, our survivors of solitary confinement for telling their story and knowing that this is the beginning of this next journey. But we are going to do it. We're going to get there because the, the, it is righteous in terms of what we're standing for. And we believe that the governor will see that and join with us and make sure that we have a policy that works for California and moves us off of what we have de deemed today and know to be torture and the solitary confinement as that as, as torture. So thank you for joining us today. And we, we, we look forward to you to continue to be with us as we move forward. And I appreciate all of those who stand behind me who have been fighting this cause for many, many years. Thank you very much. All right, we are going to take a quick musical break with Watch Me Fly by Saint DeAngelis and Toussaint Ave and a bunch of other artists. Here we go. I got this high, got me 
I am not the type to not dream. I like to use my keys. A glutton for pleasure. My treasure show itself through the seams. Show up as I believe. My future bright as summer breeze. And just as intricate as changing of the leaves. So I live in the past when life come at you fast. A shore made up of sand. Different for every man. Exactly how you play your hand. Where you stand. How your back. Then don't break. What you take. What's your game. How you play. Access to a different way. Moving to improve it. Ability to tune and keep your Angles on congruent, vibration at its truest, capable and affluent, elusive to any energy. Opposite to was proven. Careful, cause we be choosing to stay in ritual ruin with what we say and be doing. Parable of the sower, knowing I'll catch this lower before all of this over. I'm talking about make it over. Talking, let's take it so long. Hesitated just to open up the door. I aided in destruction so that I could get some more. It ain't so complicated. The intention must be pure. This work ain't to be played with. I know you can't relate if you've been sneaking out your greatness. I know that it's been long nights, short days, deadlines, hard times, false flights, pressure from the world, right? Speaking life a challenge, we're building without the balance. It's a delicate dance. If you move, then there's a chance to bring it into focus. Have you standing in your darkness? If you open naked potent, standing on the shoulders of those that took notice and made it more than the notion to take back what's been stolen. No need to sugarcoat it. It's more than enough for most of us. So we reclaiming everything. Shattered dreams, gold rings, get rings, live vibrant, stay shining, keep me gliding with your highest. I got this high. All right. If you are just joining us, you are listening to Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown, here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. You may be live streaming at kpoo.com. So just before the music break, we heard from Assemblymember Chris Holden uh, making a public statement about the new legislation, the new Mandela Act, AB 280, um, that... Uh, he and his uh, colleagues put together after Governor Newsom vetoed the original Mandela Act back in September of 2022. Um, I guess it was going to give too much relief to uh, prisoners that were being tortured. So let's be clear. First of all, slavery is taking place within our prisons. The California Department of Corrections has been violating uh, constitutional amendments, has been violating international law, has been violating the very tenets of of uh, what it means to be humane and and give the humane treatment to prisoners for decades because we live with a history of 
slavery. Slavery is taking place within our prisons. And if you are a slave of the state, you have no rights. Some people have said that um, solitary confinement is the uh, human rights crisis of our time or the human rights issue of our time, but it's not. It's slavery. And because there is slavery in our country and in our states taking place within our prisons, there is going to be solitary confinement and all of the other degrading, torturous, abusive um, acts against the prisoner that can be taken because they are slaves and they have no rights and they're not even considered to be humans, especially if you are black, African-American, because it is a vestige of chattel slavery. If you have sat or come to this radio show on a fairly regular basis, you know that we have been reading the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. And there are nine counts of this indictment of the prison industrial slave complex. And indictment count five is conspiracy to maintain a domestic torture program. So this is nothing new. For the past 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, prisoners, especially new African prisoners, have been screaming to the public that this torture is taking place and as a matter of fact has been systematically used against the new African prisoners deliberately to break them. Let me just read, actually, before I read the indictment, let me read, let me read this to you. Clyde Jackson, who thankfully has just come home after 42 years, spent over 20 years in solitary confinement. Lewis Powell, who was still being imprisoned, he has been caged now almost 50 years. He spent 38 years in solitary confinement. Security housing units that were meant to break the revolutionary spirit of this new African. Kenneth Carter, who just came home after 50 years of being, um, of being caged, spent over 30 years in solitary confinement. Michael DeRoe, he is still in prison and he's going to be there, uh, well, unless something changes. Uh, he has life without the possibility of parole. He spent 30 years in solitary confinement. He's been in for 35. Sitawa Nantambu Jama'a, who is now being medically neglected and has been in prison for 43 years, spent 32 years being systematically tortured by solitary confinement for 32 years by the California Department of Corrections. They know exactly what they are doing. When the, these governors veto these bills, they know the, the damage that it causes because it is intentional. Let's listen to the conspiracy to maintain a domestic torture program. 
CDC small R employees have engaged in a pattern and practice of systematic torture to coerce information, suppress politically progressive ideas and attitudes, and do permanent psychological damage to targeted prisoners. CDC small R has maintained a domestic program, the domestic torture program, in dungeon cells, strip cells, and shoe units, security house units, for well over a century. The primary function of the program is to inflict such continuous physical and psychological torture, pain, and suffering on those subject to these units that their minds actually break. And they either submit completely to the dictates of the state, no matter how contrary to their interests or basic human rights those dictates may be, go mad, or in the case of those who resist indefinitely to serve as living examples to the rest of the prisoner population of the state's absolute power over their bodies, much as crucifixions served the Romans. In the case of the dungeon cells, prisoners would be stripped naked and forced into a urine and feces-covered stone cell with no light, a hole in the floor as a toilet, no running water, and nothing else but the stench and the darkness. A bare mattress would be issued at last count and taken away again first thing in the morning. No linen or clothing were provided in these cold, dank, and filthy stone boxes because CDC small R employees wanted to ensure prisoners were subject to the perpetual indignity of nakedness and could not escape through suicide. The department's regulations and state law on dungeon cells stipulated that prisoners shall not be housed for more than 10 days inside one. However, for those who maintained their dignity, sanity, and principles characterized as defiant, by staff, or depending on the level of sadism staff on that watch expressed, prisoners were frequently removed from the dungeon cell and placed in a holding cage for one hour on the 10th day, then put back into the dungeon cell for another 10. In the most severe use of this torture chamber, one subject, a new African revolutionary nationalist, was confined there for a record six months. The physical and psychological toll of such torture chambers is so severe, the isolation so intense and contrary to human mental wellness that many simply went mad. The introduction of security housing units, shoes into Old Folsom and San Quentin Adjustment Center was the precursor to California's modern torture units at Pelican Bay, Corcoran, and elsewhere. These units, in contrast to the medieval brutality of the dungeon cells, were clinically designed to break men's minds and export the, infor the informant psychosis to their communities. The conceptual framework for the shoe design finds its origins in a meeting of prison wardens and social scientists held in Washington, D.C. in 1962. There, Dr. Edgar Schein delivered his findings in a speech titled Man Against Man Brainwashing, and the concept of the modern supermax control unit was born. In addressing the group, Dr. Schein stated, I would like you to think of brainwashing not in terms of politics, ethics, or morals, but in terms of the deliberate changing of human behavior and attitudes by a group of men who have relatively competed complete control over the environment in which the captive populace lives. Its political intent was clear from the outset. Former warden Ralph Aaron of one of the first supermax, lo supermax lockup units, Marion Supermax, stated the purpose of the shoe was to, quote, was to, quote, to control revolutionary attitudes in the prison system and society at large, unquote. What Dr. Shine and his cohorts provided was its function. To be effective, the new techniques he described would require a new type of environment, one which could alter the very foundations of one's perception of reality. For this, 
they would adopt Dr. Levinson's sensory deprivation prison unit design and a form of Skinnerian operant conditioning called learned helplessness. This last technique is a key factor in the California State Domestic Torture Program in both its validation-based indeterminate shoe confinement and debriefing process. Learned helplessness is a system systemic process of conditioning designed to crystallize in the imprisoned victim's mind that he or she has no control over the regulation of his or her existence, that they are completely dependent on the state and its guards for the necessities of life, that he or she is helpless and must submit to the state's power and control in order to survive. This is what is taking place within our prisons, people. Because this type of forced submission runs contrary to human consciousness, a linear thought divergence occurs into two options, resistance or escape. The program is designed to apply maximum punitive coercion against resistance from the outset. Physical removal from general population and confinement to solitary, sensory deprivation, utilization of informants, collaborators, uh, collaborators and agent provocateurs to erode trust among those, amongst those in like circumstances punishing uncooperative attitudes, prohibiting collective thought and expression, while simultaneously employing group punishment, punitive property restrictions, arbitrary punishments, etc., etc. Those capable of indefinite resistance through ideological and political development or force of will, like victims of crucifixion left to rot on crosses during the Roman Empire, served as powerful deterrents to those of lesser psychological resistance. These less developed subjects in shoe or those still in general population confronted with the ever-present specter of indefinite shoe confinement were conditioned to avoid resistance and instead explored the second option, escape. Though Marion Control Unit was among the first prisons in the Shine Levinson Skinnerian torture system, the most infamous by far is California's premier control unit, Pelican Bay Shoe, because one of the central functions of these new control units was to leverage torture to coerce information from its victims. Pelican Bay Shoe made its escape option clear. Parole, debrief, or die. As a result of this undue influence of the prison industrial slave complex, complex on the legislative, political, and to a degree, cultural apparatus of the state and nation, most validated shoe prisoners are serving mandatory minimums, enhanced sentences, or board of prison terms based indeterminate uh, prison terms based indeterminate terms, and their very confinement in the shoe is prohibitive to the parole. Quote, if you want a parole date, you probably want to think about debriefing, which is called snitching, unquote, is a common statement from parole board governors to shoe prisoners before them. This increases the psychological pressure on those already weakened by the conviction that they've been abandoned by and isolated from society, and only through submission and subservience can they be socially accepted as human beings. This form of escape, known as debriefing, in essence becoming an informant or agent of the state, is consistent with points 7, 8, and 9 of Dr. Shane's behavior modification method. 7. Exploration of Opportunities. 8. Convincing prisoners they can trust no one. Nine, treating those who are willing to collaborate in far more lenient ways than those who are not. Unquote. That beatings, assaults, gladiator-style matches, and murder are also liberally employed in shoe torture units only exacerbates the attacks on the nervous equipment of those subject to indefinite solitary confinement. That, indefin that indefinite or even relatively short-term solitary confinement can 
constitutes torture is undeniable and something the U.S. and the state of California have known since the 1870s. Hmm. Goes to show what I knew. However, with lobbying efforts by guard unions like the California's CCPOA and the nationwide march towards the expansion of control units we've witnessed over the previous 30 years, the clinical approach to domestic torture has taken on an almost Auschwitz-style tone in its matter-of-fact use. Title 18 USC S2340 and UN Convention Against Torture, Article 1, Section 2, defines torture as any act by which severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, is intentionally inflicted on a person for such purposes as obtaining from him or her or a third person information or a confession, punishing him or her for an act he or she or a third party has committed or is suspected of having committed, or intimidating or coercing a third person, unquote. This definition is synonymous with the purpose and function of California's security housing units and supermax control units across the nation. That the U.S. has preserved for itself a legal exemption for domestic torture has no bearing on its criminal nature. Title 18 S2340 is enforceable only outside the U.S., so any acts of torture as defined in S2340 committed within the U.S. are not crimes under U.S. law unless they are accompanied by severe physical injury. Torture is a crime. Coercion through torture to elicit information to further a criminal enterprise is a greater crime. Leveraging scientists, psychological Uh, psychologists and structural engineers to methodically strip away the minds and humanity of captive victims to transform them into active tools of the state is evil. Conceptually intended for exclusive use on politically progressive prisoners like imprisoned Black Panther Party, American Indian Movement, Weather Underground, Black Guerrilla Family, Black Liberation Army members, and Puerto Rican independence groups, etc., etc. Instead, almost from the outset, the state sought to intertwine criminal prison-based organizations, street gangs, and organized crime outfits with three revolutionary formations within their criminological lexicon characterizing all of them as gangs, or more recently, security threat groups, STGs. This, like every aspect of their domestic torture program, was a calculated measure Here, the staff sought to criminalize legitimate revolutionary formations and political progressives through the simple turn of a phrase, a strategic act of libel and slander encoded into their very regulations on gang validation and indeterminate shoe confinement. In an instant, anyone validated as a a gang member by, quote, law became a gang member, no matter if they were a political prisoner or a political gangster. This served a dual purpose— It dehumanized anyone the state labeled a gang member in the eyes of the public while providing a false basis for the denial of the existence of political prisoners in America, made plausible by three decades of prison industrial slave complex lobbying and media propaganda. This recasting of progressive political ideologues as gang members acts as a manufactured regulatory loophole which allows CDC small r officials to interfere with and blatantly repress the constitutional rights of these prisoners via threats, intimidation, and coercion under color of law, an equally blatant violation of state and federal hate crime statutes. That CDC small r has used the distance of these 
torture units as a means to influence public opinion in support of prison expansion and draconian sentencing laws is further evidence of the subversion of justice to advance the particular economic interests of CDC small R employees engaged in this racketeering enterprise. This century-long pattern, practice, and expansion of the use of domestic torture units and the use of Systemic torture techniques to coerce information from and retaliate against political prisoners for exercising their constitutional rights, all in furtherance of an ongoing racketeer enterprise, violates Title 18, S1961, S1952, USC First Amendment, Eighth Amendment, and Fourteenth Amendment, Civil Code S52.1, Government Code S11135, S8.12, Penal Code S422.77, and Title 18, S2340. All right. So while I appreciate that these legislators um, and and their colleagues are doing what the only thing that they know how to do, you know, to to bring forth this legislation to to stop the torture, what we're being forced to do, though, is appeal to the torturer, to the criminal, to the liars. Because the prisoners, the ones that are being tortured, have been telling us for decades, over a century, that there is a domestic torture program that is taking place within our prisons. This is a vestige of slavery. Slavery is, ta- is legal and is being practiced within our prisons. And so we need to start listening to the prisoners. We need to start listening to the people who are being affected, who are being treated as the slaves. We have to stop being complicit in our own oppression. And that means stop listening to the oppressor. We can look around and see evidence of it, of, of their oppression. Everywhere we turn. And the sooner that we see ourselves as our own liberators, we are going to continue to be complicit in our own oppression. People have been inside of our prisons. That means our community members. That means our fathers, our mothers, our uncles, our aunts, our sons, our daughters have been tortured, systematically tortured by solitary confinement without accountability. So pay attention to this bill. This is something that you do. If you like to do the legislative stuff, make the call then, 916-445-2841 to the governor and say you need to pass this bill. Otherwise, continue to listen to Prison Focus Radio. Um, Read the articles um, at the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper at sfbayview.com. Listen to George Jackson Radio at Blog Talk Radio slash George Jackson Radio. Don't ever forget about the California hunger strike where you had 30,000 people participate, 59 people committed to um, hunger striking to their death to end this torture. Um, And... Um, look for the campaigns from these new Africans who um, are still inside and have, were not broken. The restitution campaign, the strategic release campaign. These are things that the governor should be utilizing to get our people back to our communities and to their families and loved ones. 
they have done enough time. All right, this is the first day of Black History Month, and unfortunately for prisoners, they are living a new iteration of our history with enslavement, starting with the enslavement of our African ancestors, moving to convict leasing, and now legal slavery taking place within our prisons. So let's continue to fight to get them home. Don't forget to call the governor at 916-445-2841. All right, get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer. Peace and all power to the people.